Bikurim Perik Gimel Mishnah Yud Base three twelve. It's very possible this is not only the last Mishnah of the Perik, but in fact originally the last Mishnah of the whole Masechta, which would make it the last Mishnah of all of Seder Zroim. And there is one more Perik to go, but that was probably appended later on, as I'll discuss a little later on in the next recording for the next next Mishnah. In any case, over here, and um, we're going to wrap up things. You'll recall back in the second Perik, we had said explicitly that the Bikurim are K'nichsei Kohen. They're like the Kohen's property. You'll also recall back from the second parak we had said that in some ways Bikurim are like Meiser Shani. some ways they're comparable to Truma, and we've seen already they're also in some ways comparable to Katja uh, Mikdash, that is to say. Some ways are like Meiser Shani. Meiser Shani had restrictions. You have to bring it to Yerushalayim and eat it there and only use it if you're going to redeem it. You can only use it on foodstuffs. With the Mayan foodstuffs, it was restricted, and it wasn't even your own property. It was, um, it was a machlokas and I, but it was very possibly, and we passed in this way, it's Mamun Gavoa, the, it's, so to speak, God's Maeser Shani, you're, and you're eating at his table. Um, as for Truma, Truma is also some restrictions, um, but it does belong to the Kohen, and the difference when it comes to Truma, you'll recall, is that you get to choose which Kohen you want to give it to. In contrast, Kach Mikdash, things that are brought to the Temple as a gift, like a like a shlamim offering, for example, that's divided equally amongst the kohanim, um, and they split amongst themselves. You don't get to choose who you give it to, um, and also it's not really theirs to do with what they want. <clears throat> it's got restrictions on it because it's got to be eaten over there by the kohanim, etc. So here the mission will discuss how bikurim fits in with those different um, halachas because bikurim is could be comparable to all three of those things. Here the mission says. Lama amru habikurim k'nichse kohen. Why is it, or what do they mean, when back in the second parak mission Aleph they said that bikurim are like the kohen's property? So the mission answers shehu konamahem avadim v'karkos u'behematameya. First of all, because a kohen who gets his bikurim can do with it what he wants. That is to say, he could sell it or barter it for things like examples given in the mission here are avadim, slaves, karkaos, land, behematamea, not kosher animals. This is all in contrast to Maeser Shani, which you recall you're not allowed to, um, even the money of Maeser Shani can't be used to purchase things other than foodstuffs. You couldn't buy a slave or land or not kosher animal with your Maeser Shani money. When it comes to Bikurim, they really, the fruits that are brought that the Kohen gets, they're his. He can do what he wants with them, and therefore he could sell them. Um, and use the proceeds to get whatever he wants, or could barter them directly to buy a slave, etc. That's all his prerogative. It's his. Now let me just clarify, as we'll speak out in a minute, um, perhaps inside the text, the Bikurim are restricted. That is to say, when you trans- when the Kohen gets them, or if you transfer them to another person through barter, let's say, he trades them, so the Bikurim remain Bikurim, therefore they have all the restrictions that they always had, meaning it has to only be eaten by a Kohen, Bittahara, etc. So we're just saying that the Kohen who receives the Bikurim can do what he wants with them, meaning he can somehow trade them or monetize them, but that doesn't redeem or remove the Kedusha from the Bikurim. The purchaser also ends up having to be a Kohen who consumes them, etc. Okay? The Mishnah continues and says, not only are they his with respect to being sort of an asset he can do what he wants with, also with, with respect to his liabilities. Ubal chov notlin if someone, if the Kohen who has the Bikurim owes somebody else, 
So the credits are to the Kohen, it's called his Balchov. So the Balchov could collect his debt by confiscating the Bikurim that's in the hands of the Kohen. So simple case, if one if Kohen A lends money to Kohen B, and Kohen B now gets Bikurim, and Kohen B hasn't paid back Kohen A, Kohen A could actually just take, like a Balchov, with other kinds of um, property, he could take the uh, the Bikurim from the Kohen to he lend money to sort of reclaim his, his due. Same goes for an Isha, a woman. If a woman has a outstanding ksuba that needs to be paid, so she can collect her ksuba or part of her ksuba from the fruit that a Kohen receives as Bikurim. Again, she may not be able to eat it, but she could sell it to another Kohen who could eat it, etc. The same as, you know, how a Kohen could eat truma. Um, elsewhere, so the Kohen could eat the Bikurim like that. Um, when it comes to women collecting on her ksuba, it's actually machlokas tanaim if a woman ever collects um, from metaltlin, from chattels, movable objects. But this mission is going like Rebmeir that indeed she does and she can. And also, now, kesefer Torah or vesefer Torah, there's two gersals here. And also on the list with the balchov and the ksuba, perhaps, is the sefer Torah. Now, Bartner brings a couple of pshatim. The first pshat he gives is that it's that um, on the list of things that a balchov can, a, a creditor or a woman can claim, um, she can also claim um, the creditor or the woman can claim a safer Torah from the person who owes the money. Um, a second shot is that the same way you're allowed to, it's like on the list, the same way you're allowed to use your bikurim to purchase other things like not kosher animals and land and slaves, um, you can also use it to purchase a Sefer Torah. That's a Chiddush because Sefer Torah are quite restricted. You can't sort of resell them. You can't use their money for things. So in contrast to Meister Shani, um, which perhaps this whole string of things is going in contrast to, um, you, which you could not, Meister Shani, not only can you not sell and use the proceeds or anything besides for foodstuffs, this is even more difficult because you can't even pay the wages of the person who's providing the foodstuffs, etc., um, with the Sefer Torah. Um, worth noting that the Balchov and the Isha could not collect Meister um, Shani if they owed money because since it's Mamun Gavoa, the, it's not the owner of the Meister Shani, the individual who could, it's not his really, it's not, he's not really the owner. The real owner of the Meister Shani is Gavoa, is Hashem, so to speak. And that being the case, a creditor could never collect the Meister Shani. So again, in contrast here. So we have two Pshatim again. If it's um, like a Sefer Torah, either that you could, yes, buy a Sefer Torah, or that the Sefer Torah could be collected um, as part of, from a creditor, whether it's a, a lender or or a, a wife, an ex-wife. There's another Pshat here, um, which brings, some learned that this is bringing out the Pshat that I said before, that the same way as Sefer Torah, when you trade the Sefer Torah to somebody else, the Sefer Torah retains its Kedusha. So, so too, um, the... Bikurim, when you trade it to somebody else, retains its kedusha. It stays, meaning, as opposed to, again, like Meister Shane. Now, Rebbe, we continue. Rebbe Yehuda Omer, or Rebbe Yehuda Omer without the Vav, a nostin osam el chaver betova. He says really two things. He says, you can't give the Bikurim to anyone except for a chaver. Now, according to Bartanor, we're referring to the Kohen who receives the Bikurim. We're restricting to whom he may give the Bikurim, like say, barter it, like we said in the first part of the Mishnah. So, the, the according to the Hapshah, like the Bar Tanura, what we're saying is that if you're going to sell your 
your bikurim or trade it away, that's fine. But the recipient must be a chaver, someone who eats his chulin but tahara, someone who always eats his food in a state of um, tahara, even not kajim or truma. That's the tr- that's what's called the chaver. The thought is that since the bikurim aren't really karbanos, they're kind of just like karbanos, so people may not be, kohanim may not be so strict in keeping them tahor. That is to say, when it comes to kohanim receiving portions from real sacrificial materials, like a mincha or something, we're not afraid that the kohen being an ama'ar is going to make it tamay. No, we trust every kohen to eat it properly because he recognizes the weight of kachim that goes on the mezbech. But this, that goes on the altar. But here, this is not really kachim mezbech. This is something that's just put down next to the altar, and then the kohanim eat it. So the concern is, according to Rabbi Yehuda, the Kohen who receives these, if a Kohen gets these fruits and then gives it to another Kohen, that second Kohen might not be a Chaver, and that being the case, he might not be careful and keep the Bikurim and Betahara as he needs to. Okay? The second thing is it says Betova. Now, Betova would mean, according to that, Betova means like um, as, a, as a gift for the goodwill, something like that. Meaning that according to Rabbi Huda, the Kohen who transfers the Bikurim he received to a second Kohen cannot do it for money. He can't barter it away to buy Avadim and Karkos, etc. He can only give it as a as a like a gift to his fellow Kohen, even if the, there's some reciprocity now required. In other words, like the Kohen who receives it knows he owes one, whatever quote unquote one is, he owes something to other Kohen, but it's not being sold. Okay, so that, that's and that's the two things that Rabbi Huda is saying. There are those who learn that we're actually talking about Rabbi Huda saying that no, when you he's thinking about the recipients of the Bikurim, the original from from the farmers, from the Bailam. And he's saying that when you the farmer, the Bailam, bring your Bikurim, first fruits, to Yerushalayim, you get to choose which cone you give it to. The same way in Kadshe Gvul, when it comes to Chala and Truma and Truma's Meister, etc., you can choose which Kohen you're going to give it to. According to this chart over here, we're saying that you could, Rabbi Huda is saying you get to choose which Kohen you're going to give it to in the base of Mikdash. And we're saying, although you can choose who you give it to, you have to choose giving it to a Kohen who's a Chaver. Okay? Um, and that that Kohen who's a Chaver will then be relied upon to eat at Batar. You can't rely on a, on a um, Ha'aretz Kohen to be your recipient of your Bikurim gift, because even though you're giving to him in the base of Mikdash, and there it's, you know, there's obviously the weight of the base of Mikdash present, but since it's not really a carbon, we're afraid he won't be so careful with it, and might make a tummy, etc. Okay, so that's Rabbi Hudashita, according to the other, the second approach here. And it's given Betova, it's given not for money, but as a as a favor, and the same way that you one gives, you know, Trumas and, and Chal, etc. Now, the Chachamim, Omer and the disagree, and they say that Truma, excuse me, that Bikurim is like any other gift brought to the base of Mikdash as an offering. Nos nosam la'anche mishpar, you just give it to the people on duty. Anche mishpar means the Kohanim, who are one of the 24 groups that's there for this particular week. And when they're serving base of Mikdash, you give it to them collectively. And they divide it amongst themselves, meaning you're not choosing which Kohan to give it to. Um, they all get it. They are not deciding who are and who not, everyone gets it equally. The same way as any Kachem Mikdash, anything else, like a Shlam or something which is brought in the base of Mikdash, they divide it amongst themselves equally. Um, and we trust them all 
even though they're not chaverim necessarily, they're all trusted to eat it batara, and that is the halach like the chachamim, that indeed it goes to all the kohanim equally, and they can do with it as they see fit uh, in terms of eating it or like the tanakama, uh, bartering it, etc., to other kohanim because it's their money once they get it, it's their assets, their property. And with that, we finish the third parak, and we will start now the fourth parak Bez Hashem, which, as I explained, uh, maybe some appended on Bryce's and uh, stand alone.